Hello, you spooky loving freaks. Welcome back to another podsode of the spectacular. Now, did you like what I did there? <laughs> I see what you did there. Whoa, it's a fancy new word. <laughs> I just, you know, branded that podsode. Nice. I am your host, Nikki, here with my gorgeous, funny, talented offspring, Kenzie. Mm. What is spooky and good? You know, the huge. The huge? Yeah. Anything weird happened to you lately? Um, Anything no. weird going on at your place of work? Uh, well, I don't know. We've had some uh, sp- weird stuff happen lately. We've been like a magnet for serious, serious car crashes. At work? Yeah. What? Like yeah. out in front of the... I don't know what it is about our area where we're at. Uh, we go through periods of like nothing happening and then it's like fire or car crash or weird people trying to do stuff. Yeah. And it just, it always seems to like happen in threes, which I know is like, you know, the magic number for stuff happening. Right. So I'm just like, well, what's going to happen next? And then, you know, let's, or we get a lot of people falling. We've had a lot of like visitors falling. An employee fell the other day. Oh, no. And luckily, they walked away with just some scraped hands. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, I wouldn't want to yeah. fall in there. That's a lot of, like, no. marble and yeah. concrete. Or well, no. they were outside, and they tripped over one of the bricks in oh. the road. Oh, dude. And where they had fallen, like, they could have easily smacked their head on yeah. the concrete yeah. curb, but they didn't. They caught themselves, luckily. But, uh, yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember that time when you were at work and there was a literal dumpster fire? (laughs) (laughs) That cracked me up because that was like a couple years ago when Corona was, you know, like hitting everything and everything was just like the world. Everybody was on edge and then you had an actual dumpster fire at work. It was like murder hornets one month, aliens the next month. Next month at work, after that, dumpster fire. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. I found this. I still want to get it for you. But I found this. Um, it's like a plastic um, pen holder. Did you? Oh, we have one. You of those have that. That's in our right. Office. I saw it on Amazon. I was so wanted That's to get that for from. you. Yeah. Okay. It's like a dumpster and the little sticky notes are like flames. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we have that. That perfect. I know. <laughs> okay. So, something recently that I did that was really fun. Monroe, Michigan had its first Oddities and Horror Fest a couple weeks ago now. And I went with a friend, and it was so much fun. There were artisans and people selling crystals and sage bundles and jewelry and a lot of horror-themed art. And I was like, these are my people. (laughs) And it was just so neat to be there. And I found some really cool uh, gifts. I got this neat little um, Reagan keychain. I got one for you. Oh, you did? It's here somewhere. Yeah. Got to give it to you. Okay. Um. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> a Reagan keychain from The Exorcist. Oh my God. Sweet. So, um, the Your little talisman. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I've accepted. It's all right. Uh, anyway, so the organizer of this horror fest, his name is Nate Thompson, and he is also the creator of Horror Town, which is a museum of horror in downtown Monroe, Michigan, where 
Our friends at Northwest Ohio Supernatural Investigations are doing a paranormal investigation this very night. Oh, that's right. Right now as we speak. And we will be having the lovely Nicole, co-founder slash investigator of NWOSI, on in a few weeks to discuss their findings. And she's going to teach us the basics of how to conduct your own paranormal investigation. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. So hopefully they're able to collect some good evidence and data. Okay, so... On with the show. Now, this is a very bizarre case. It is not about a murder or unsolved crime, but it has been a baffling and mysterious medical case. And I feel that it's worth talking about because not only is it so weird and like a one in a million kind of occurrence, it is good to stay aware of what strange events can occur in the emergency department and that EDs can definitely be hazardous places to work. We are forever grateful to the men and women who choose to work as nurses, physicians, and technicians in the emergency setting. Mm -hmm. These can be dangerous places to work, especially when confronted by a violent patient or collateral violence that's linked to a patient that they may be treating. So hats off to you. We are not worthy. Okay, so this is the story of Gloria Ramirez. Born 1-11-1963, she was a young, loving wife and devoted mother of two children from Riverside, California, and tragically, she passed away February 19, 1994, just six weeks after being diagnosed with cervical cancer that was already in stage four by the time they discovered it. Well, So her death is not the bizarre or mysterious part. It's what happened to several of the medical professionals treating her in the ED the night of her death. So on the night of February 19th, 1994, Gloria's family called 911 when she began having palpitations and tachycardia, which is rapid heart rate, low BP, shortness of breath. Um, Emergency services picked her up and she was in the ED by 8.15 p.m. She kind of presented as delirious, she was incoherent, and sadly, after heroic efforts made by the medical team, Gloria died by 8.50 p.m., so 45 minutes later. Whoa. That's 35 minutes later. Yeah. What'd you say? 45. Oh. I can do the math. (laughs) So her death was officially caused by acute kidney failure secondary to her cancer. Pretty straightforward. But in the weeks following her death, she would earn the horrible nickname, the Toxic Lady. So just how did she earn this moniker? During Gloria's treatment in the ED, the night of her death, the medical team did everything they could to save her. They gave her IV fluids and medications. They put her on oxygen. Shortly after these life-saving measures were started, she went into cardiac arrest. Nurses removed her shirt to apply the defibrillator patches, Mm. and they noticed her chest and torso had like an oily sheen to it, and she smelled like garlic. It was really kind of bizarre. Another nurse at the time drew a vial of blood from her arm and passed it off to a medical resident in the trauma room. The resident right away noticed that the vial gave off a strong ammonia smell and observed small ivory-colored particles floating in the blood sample. What the heck? Right. So right away, she's like, okay, Whoa. the alarm bells are sounding. Something is not right. Yeah. So while inspecting the vial, the nurse standing next to the resident began to complain of feeling faint. 
and down she went. The resident herself also began to feel unwell and reported feeling nauseated and dizzy. She went to sit down at the nurse's station where she did eventually pass out. Oh my god. A third person, a respiratory therapist, passed out and reported experiencing paralysis after waking up. What? Yeah, crazy. At this point, the ED was then evacuated, which, yeah, good idea. Yeah. 23 people in all developed symptoms ranging from dizziness, respiratory distress, syncope, uh, which is fainting, paralysis, blurred vision, lots of serious symptoms. Good Lord. Yeah. Five of these people required hospitalization. The medical resident that noticed the particles in the tube of blood, she spent two weeks in ICU with respiratory problems and went on to develop hepatitis and avascular necrosis in what her knees. What the fuck? Yeah. So to explain avascular necrosis, um, avascular means that there's no like perfusion of blood. Her blood's not flowing into the small vessels around the tissues in oh. her knees. So the tissue dies if it's not being fed, you know, fresh oxygen. Oh, God, yeah. So it started to become necrotic. Oh. <gasps> uh, right. So did she, she, like, did she lose limbs? I don't think so. Oh, okay. So she got really sick. Yeah. So after the ED was evacuated, a hazmat team was called in to search for any offending or toxic agents that could have caused all of these people to become sick. Nothing was found. A small crew of hospital workers stayed behind to attempt to stabilize Gloria. But after several minutes of CPR and defibrillation, she was pronounced dead. Mm. Her official cause of death was kidney failure. This left only one possibility. Ramirez's body had to be the cause of all of these people becoming sick. But how? I mean, how bizarre is that? Yeah. Until the hospital and coroner could determine what had happened, Gloria's body was sealed in an aluminum casket and sent to the coroner. The press got wind of what had happened, and they then began calling Ramirez the toxic lady, which is kind of sad and disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. Even the coroner's office, technicians could not take any chances, and the autopsy was conducted in hazmat suits. Three autopsies in all were performed. Toxicology reports showed Tylenol, lidocaine, codeine, and anti-nausea medication in her system. Pretty standard when you're in a lot of pain and you're suffering, um, probably undergoing chemo for cancer. Yeah. Strangely... However, the report also showed high levels of dimethyl sulfone in her body. Not sulfone, sulfone, S-U-L. The coroner's office delayed the release of Gloria's body to the funeral home for more than two months due to fears of further poisoning of anyone coming close to her body. Her family was understandably incensed and could not believe that her daughter had anything to do with what had happened that night in the ED. I mean, obviously. Yeah. It's just too bizarre to be real. Yeah, seriously. So the county health department knew their work was far from over. They had to get to the bottom of what had happened that night to sicken so many people. They contacted the California Department of Health and Human Services for help in solving the mystery. Two scientists, Drs. Anna Maria Osorio and Kirsten Waller, were assigned to the case. And they began interviewing all staff members, which 34 in all, that were present in the ED the night of Ramirez's death. And they used like a questionnaire like survey to collect their data. Osorio and Waller found that those who had developed severe symptoms like loss of consciousness, shortness of breath, muscle spasms, paralysis, 
temporary blindness, they had certain commonalities. Workers who had been within two feet of Gloria and came in contact with her IV lines had been at highest risk. But some pieces of the puzzle did not exactly fit. Variables that correlated with severe symptoms did not seem to indicate that toxic fumes had been released. People afflicted tended to be women more so than men, Hmm. and all of them had normal blood tests after exposure. Azorio and Waller came to the conclusion, this is, mm, that the hospital staff suffered from mass hysteria. What? And this just pisses me all the way off. The fact that they came to this conclusion because most of the afflicted were women. Yeah. Come on. The word hysteria is sexist to begin with because it refers to hyster, your uterus. Yeah. Anyway, so that I read that. I could not believe that. You're going to just dismiss all of these medical professionals and what they went through based on, uh, you know, psychosomatic events. Yeah. What? Right. That made me so upset. So remember that female medical resident who also became sick and ended up in the ICU for two weeks? Yeah. Well, come on now. She's like, this is not mass hysteria. She dismissed this conclusion and was like, hold up. I was not suffering from mass hysteria. Yeah. She pointed out like, hey, I got hepatitis, avascular necrosis. You don't develop that from a brief mental illness. Yeah. Luckily, the Riverside Coroner's office... They did not buy it either. They then contacted the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory to investigate the incident. Scientist Patrick M. Grant from Livermore's Forensic Science Department led the investigation. He came to the more likely conclusion that Ramirez had been using dimethyl sulfoxide, called DMSO for short, which is a solvent used as a powerful industrial degreaser, as a home remedy for pain. Oh. So here's the backstory no. about DMSO. Oh, no. So back in the day, and we are talking about the 1960s, you know, the days when we rubbed baby oil on our bodies so we could literally fry our skin under the hot sun? <laughs> yeah. Well, back in those days, doctors believed that DMSO could relieve pain and reduce anxiety. It became all the rage as a cure-all, and it was commonly used by athletes who would rub an ointment containing DMSO onto their skin to relieve aching joints. Users would mention that they would develop like a garlicky taste and smell after applying the ointment. And I will put some pics of this stuff up on our Instagram page for y'all to see. There, I found a picture of an old ointment muscle Ooh, pain yeah. you know, jar that had the DMSO in it. However, in mid-1960s, a study in mice showed that DMSO could cause blindness, and in 1965, it was labeled a toxic substance, and most people stopped using it. Yeah. But by then, DMSO had developed a cult following. Oh, God, of course. Most likely led by anti-vaxxers and future coronavirus deniers. (laughs) Haha, I kid. Not really. Some people <laughs> continued to tout its cure-all benefits, but by the late 1970s, the only way to get DSMO, I'm sorry, DMSO, was in the form of a gel degreaser at hardware stores. So, so people ew. were just like finding this and be like, oh, I'll just go to the hardware store and get myself yeah. some. 
Right. Yeah. Oh, God. So the new investigators concluded that Ramirez must have been covering much of her skin in DMSO gel to ease pain from cancer and possibly believing it would cure her cancer. I mean, who could blame her? She had just been diagnosed with cancer already at stage four, and she was probably like, I will try anything to save my life. Yeah. And some charlatan suggested she use DMSO. Now, the DMSO found in hardware degreasers was 99% pure when compared to the pharmacy ointments of the 1960s, which were much less concentrated and being sold as muscle creams, not as degreasers. Yeah. Now, how, you are most likely asking, did the lab come to this conclusion that Ramirez had been using DMSO degreaser on her body? Well, they looked at the data and connected several factors. The greasy appearance of Gloria's torso, the garlic smell coming from her mouth and body, the high levels of dimethyl sulfone in her toxicology report, and the particular symptoms reported by the afflicted hospital staff, the dizziness, respiratory distress, blurry vision. All of this led them to believe she was using the powerful degreaser as a remedy, but a perfect storm had to occur in order for Gloria's body to produce toxic gas. Now, here's where all these factors had to come into play in order to cause the event that happened. So now we're going to get all science-y. Oh, hell yeah. About to science the shit out of this. (laughs) Let's go back to some high school chemistry. My nightmare. Okay. (laughs) I liked chemistry. Yeah, I, I liked it too until it got hard and challenging and then i was like i can't do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the livermore scientists hypothesized that the dmso in ramirez's system might have built up due to poor filtration from kidney failure her kidneys were also not performing functioning normally yeah so that was probably part of the issue right there oxygen administered by the paramedics and in the ed would have combined with the DMSO to form dimethyl sulfone, which is the DMSO-2. It's known to crystallize at room temperature. And crystals were seen in some of Ramirez's drawn blood. (gasps) Okay, so right there, a piece of the puzzle comes in. Now, this is where it gets really bizarre. The electric shocks that were administered during emergency defibrillation could have then converted the dimethyl sulfone into dimethyl sulfate, which is DMSO4. It's a highly toxic dimethyl ester of sulfuric acid, exposure to which could have caused some of the reported symptoms of the emergency department staff. Oh, good God. Yes. So we've got the poorly functioning kidneys, which is causing this toxic buildup in her system. Yeah. The administration of oxygen to her body and then the electrical current that was run through her body when she was being defibrillated so as a gas the dimethyl sulfate vapors they just ravage the cells in people's eyes lungs and mouth so this vapor gets into the body it can lead to convulsions delirium paralysis a lot of these things that were seen in the medical staff that were treating her. Yeah. So of the 20 symptoms described by medical staff that night, 19 of them match symptoms of people who have exposure to dimethyl sulfate vapors. So these are already known symptoms, 
when people are exposed to these vapors, mm-hmm. the medical staff had 19 out of 20 of them. Ugh. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, or they the other mean, way around, they had 20 out of, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So the Livermore scientists, they decided and shared this on something called the new detectives that the change in temperature of the blood drawn from 98.6 degrees or 37 degrees Celsius of Vermeer's body to the 64 degree Fahrenheit temperature of the emergency department may have contributed to its conversion from one form of dimethyl sulfone to the other. Sulfate. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So this is seen as the most likely theory of what happened that night and what has been accepted by the Riverside coroner's office, but her family, they still disagreed. Understandably, they're in great distress. They just lost their loved one. They don't want to think that she had anything to do with this very bizarre occurrence. Yeah. So two months after Ramirez died, her severely decomposed body was released for an independent autopsy requested by the family and for burial. The Ramirez family's uh, pathologist that they hired was unable to determine a cause of death because her heart was missing, other organs were cross-contaminated with fecal matter, and her body was too decomposed. And on April 20th, 1994, finally, 10 weeks after her death, she was buried in Riverside, California. And this possible chemical explanation, now this is pretty cool. The explanation for this incident, determined by Patrick M. Grant of the Livermore Forensic Science Center, is now beginning to show up in basic forensic science textbooks. So this is like a case study that is now included. Interesting. I know. Isn't that, that is super cool. So in a textbook, the authors state that although there are some weaknesses surrounding the case, this postulated scenario is the most scientific explanation Mm -hmm. to date. So it is still the accepted reason for what happened that night because there's been no other credible explanation that's been offered to explain what happened. Mm -hmm. He also published his findings and they were reviewed by professional forensic scientists, chemists, and other toxicologists and passed peer review in an accredited journal and were published by Forensic Science International. So that'd be a really cool paper to read. Yeah. And we should link that in our Instagram. Yeah, I'm if sure it's wants on to find like it. Google Scholar or something. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So the first paper was technically detailed and contained two potential chemical reaction mechanisms that may possibly have formed the dimethyl sulfate from the dimethyl sulfoxide and the sulfone. So if you want to read the nitty gritty and all <laughs> the good science and chemistry, that paper, we'll, we'll look for the link and see if we can find it if you'd like to read more about that. And then the second publication gave some supplemental support um, for the chemical scenario, as well as some insight into some of the sociology um, surrounding the case. So that is the bizarre and mysterious death of very sad story, Gloria Ramirez. Um, And again, it's fascinating. It's got a lot of science involved. And it's also kind of helps to highlight the everyday dangers that people working in the ED come across. You just never know what they are going to be faced with when they start their shift. And also the dangers of using something medicinally that it is totally not meant for. Absolutely. 
please make yeah. sure that your home remedies are evidence based. Yeah, and, or consult with a your doctor physician before yes. you decide to just slab yeah. this degreaser all over your body. Right. And hope so for the best. Anybody listening, do not buy DMSO degreaser from the hardware yeah. and slather it all over your body, and then get oxygenated and then get defibrillated and yeah. then poison everybody around you yeah the moral of the story is that yeah so <laughs> all right that is the end of this episode it was so great to be back we have yes. a lot of fun things planned for the year coming up we're going to be attending some oddities fairs and we're going to have our own podcast table so kenzie if anybody wants to reach out to us where can they find us yeah so you can give us a shout uh via email yeah, spooktacular not podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on social media. We are on Instagram at the Spooktacular Now and on Twitter at Spooktacular Now. Know the. Peace. See you next time.